Film Fanatics. From the silver screen to your earphones. With Alan Azulay and Gal Balaban. Nuke Town from Call of Duty and he survives it in a, in a, uh, not microwave, a refrigerator or aliens. Welcome back to Film Fanatics, where we talk about the movies that have us obsessed, excited, and inspired. I'm Alan. And I'm Gaul. Today we're going to be getting into the franchise of Indiana Jones. But before that, we have a special announcement for you. Today we're introducing uh, a guest host who you may be seeing a lot more of in season four. Let's welcome Ben Kerr Phillips to the Film Fanatics. What's, What's up, Ben? How are you? I'm doing well. How How are you? We're very well, and we're very happy to have you talking about a franchise that we all really love. Mm-hmm. Um, ben, tell the tell the crowd a little bit about you. It's your first time on the show. Um, I'm from South Africa. I love movies. It's something. It's an industry that I want to go into, and I really love talking about movies discussing them and i'm really excited to be able to do that on the podcast and ben and i have talked plenty about movies together but joining us today as well is another guest from the cs pictures uh youtube and instagram it is chad saborian joining us on the film fanatics today thanks for having me i appreciate it hey chad how are you good how are you guys doing and complain. We're very good. Gonna talk about one of my favorite franchises of all time. What can be better than that? So let's get this episode of the trades going. Uh, Gal, uh, sorry, Ben, why don't you get us started for the for the first time? So in recent news, the SAG-AFTRA has gone on strike. Um, so all of the actors are no longer working. This, in conjunction with the Writers Guild strike, has basically put the whole film industry on standstill. Um, Both strikes are about AI, um, with this strike uh, affecting the, the actors. From what I've read, it's regarding that they, the studios want to introduce a policy where they can scan your likeness uh, using AI, pay you for one day of work, and then use your likeness however they want to uh, for an unlimited time, unlimited amount of uses, without your permission or paying you at all. The actors uh, are not uh, impressed with this and have therefore gone on strike. There's a few other things that the, the, the actors are striking kind of like against. Um, there's something that's been really big since COVID that every actor has to submit self tapes to auditions instead of, uh, instead of the regular audition process that, uh, we have known cause we've watched TV and all that. And that a lot of representation of that, that, an, that a bunch of actors would go to one place and audition. And that would be basically on the producers to pay for all that. And, um, now with the self taping thing, it's not COVID anymore. And the actors want to go back to that because this is more expensive for them. It's also a worst way in their mind, in their, in their eyes to get themselves out there. 
Um, and also it creates a, uh, a little bit of an unfair advantage. Whoever has a better camera, better equipment, might sound better, look better, and might get the job compared to a better actor. So that's that's also uh, a big one. And uh, and yeah, that and um, and just the obscene amount of money that these CEOs are putting in their pockets, and they're like complaining that um, that these small writers and actors like that can't pay rent want like a little bit more. Billionaires be billionaires billionaire. be billionaireing. I don't know what to say. To be honest with you, I think it's a tough situation because obviously I stand behind the writers and the actors, and I I do believe that they should get paid a lot more, especially when you, you know, when you hear about a lot of the actors say, "Hey, in terms of residuals, like this is how little I've gotten, like as little as like fifty or hundred dollars," and especially just kind of showcasing how limited streaming is uh, in terms of profits as well. So it's it's just it's sad because if you think about it, I'm a physical media collector. And still, still am, and I think it's an industry that I, I wish would go more towards that because when it was physical media based, it was one of those things where even if a movie didn't make back its money in the box office, you had the back ends of physical media that you were able to rely on and make money with in terms of actors. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that we get to that point again, but as it stands right now, it is kind of daunting just seeing with AI and everything how that's something that is something that clearly billionaires want to try to you know lean towards to save money and everything, but it's just going to turn an industry that's supposed to bring love and joy to millions of people. Instead, it's going to be just feeling like soulless. So for me, it's just, it's a shame. So I do hope that, you know, there's, there's a middle ground that's able to be reached and that, you know, actors are able to get paid more. And um, yeah. I also just don't want, like, I don't think a lot of people want to watch something if they knew it was written by AI or, there's that analogy like Matt Damon and Ben Affleck started out as background actors and they got work. If they scanned their likeness and only put a day of work in their whole careers, who would never gotten Goodwill Hunting, Argo, etc. Like, it's scary that this could put so many aspiring actors out of business with that whole model that Ben just described. Agreed. I think it also just doesn't help to the whole um, template of right now what blockbusters look like because it's more of uh you know ip based as opposed to actors so i think that also doesn't help any like that combined with ai like it's something that does put um an industry that was at the top now kind of somewhere in like a, a standstill if you will so i don't know next year it's going to be interesting because you know because of everything that's going on next year just i i don't know what's going to happen in terms of the industry yeah and it's and it's worth highlighting as well that like this is the first time that the WGA and and SAG-AFTRA have gone on strike together since uh, the 1960s. Uh, ironically enough, was also because of like new technology and uh, at that time like te- television technology and uh, residuals and all that. So like uh, it, it's very rare that that many people get pissed off about something. So the fact that uh, they are should should tell you something and that those horrible comments about uh, with those executives about uh letting people waiting it out until people lose their houses lose their apartments and all that uh mm-hmm. and uh this stupid shit that bob Iger said as well uh so yeah which is weird because we all kind of just assumed that bob Iger was like 
with one of the good ones in that uh, in that in that this is like disney of, and everything of mm. ceos and he just proved our proved ourselves very very wrong like we we were all b- uh, blaming david zaslav about this shit <laughs> and and like i don't know why bob Iger said anything even if he feels that because he just threw himself under the bus for like no reason I also think just another thing worth pointing out is that this is also the case with, um, you know, visual effects workers too, where it's like, you know, getting all these yeah. hours that they're working and everything and then it's underpaid. So it's like, that's just, it's another cog in the machine where it's like, really with how, how much emphasis there is in CGI with blockbusters of today, it's like, you would think that they would get, um, you know, fair pay too. So it's just, yeah, I don't know. They don't it, even it, have a union right now. Yeah. This only scratches mm. the surface of labor in the film industry. Like, this won't like perfect everything, even if we do get our way and the the SAG and the WGA get something fair. It only scratches the surface. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but I do hope it ends soon because I, I have to see Wolverine in that yellow suit as soon as humanly <laughs> possible. <laughs> I know I know that shouldn't be a priority right now, but it's just what I need. That's a great way to wrap up this this segment right here. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's move on to probably the final casting news that we will get, like probably a while because because of the strike, um, um, yeah, because of the the strike right now, you cannot cast people. Uh, you you cannot basically do anything uh, regu- uh, regarding new movies. Uh, nobody's coming to Comic Con and all that. Let's talk a little bit about the last casting news that we'll have for a while. So uh, David Corenzo and, and uh, Rachel Brosnahan has been, uh, they both have been uh, cast as the new Superman and Lois in James Gunn's Superman Legacy. Isabella Merced, she's uh, she's playing Hawkgirl in the DCU. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Gattigi will be playing Mr. Terrific. Um, if you don't know, that's uh, a guy from the comics that wears a jacket that says Fair Play, and he's pretty cool. That's it's, He sounds a lot better than what I just described. Um, and uh, Nathan Fillion would actually would actually play the first Green Lantern in the DCU. He's actually playing Guy Gardner, which is a more obscure version of a Green Lantern, I guess. Uh, also, Barry Keegan was is Barry Keegan his name? No, no, Anthony Kerrigan. He was in Barry the show. Yes, that's Barry why. You, that's why. That's exactly why I fucked up. <laughs> Uh, he was uh, he was uh, um, also cast as a met- uh, metamorpho, uh, not Lex Luthor. So uh, Lex Luthor is gonna have to wait after the strike. But for now, what do you guys think about all these uh, all these ca- all this casting news? I'd say first of all, I was so excited because um, I come from having watched and loved the marvelous Mrs. Maisel for a long time. And Rachel Brosnahan, I just remember her delivering this phenomenal performance. So I'm happy that like uh, just all the mainstream will know her. And then, you know, Nathan Fillion, of course, always works with James Gunn. You can't have a James Gunn movie without a cameo there. Isabella Merced, I mean, she's already had a big career. Um, so glad to see her keep going. And then Anthony Kerrigan, I'm actually watching Barry now. And Noho Hank is one of my favorite characters. So that's all I'll say. One of the things I'm a little bit disappointed with is um, Superman was... I kind of... I enjoyed Cavill as as Superman. And it's going to be very sad to miss him now. Um, 
I thought he was like we are well, yeah, brutally un- underused in the in the Justice League movies, um, and especially if we like lose him, uh, and. I'm hoping it's good. Uh, James Gunn hasn't disappointed me yet, so uh, we'll we'll see how it goes. In terms of the casting, incredible. Um, Rachel Rosner is an incredible actress. Like I loved her in House of Cards. I loved her in Marvel's Sister Basil. I've only She's seen. Uh, yes, I I really like the performance of that. And as you mentioned, I'm glad that she's going to be reaching the mainstream in terms of being Superman legacy. Um, the lead actor, uh, I'm not. Too too familiar with him. I know he was in Pearl, and he was good in that. He was in Hollywood, also the Ryan Murphy show. He was fantastic uh, in Hollywood. I'm not too too familiar with his work, but I I trust that it's going to be good. I mean, he he looks like he's going to be playing the part really well. And honestly, my only concern I know this is going to be like blasphemous, but my only concern is James Gunn. Like, I'm really not a big fan of him. Um, I, and a lot of his work, I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. Um, so that's the only thing where I'm like, eh, like. Zack Snyder, for all his you know flaws, I still found his work to be ambitious, even though again it was very flawed. Versus James Gunn, I just whenever I watch his stuff, I'm like, eh, it's all right. So I, I'm going into this series very, very skeptical. Um, so I'm, I'm uh, yeah, good. you you have a fellow Snyder fan here uh, in me, uh, not really? so much in y'all, uh, but <laughs> um, so so yeah, that, like my favorite uh, DC, DCU movie was definitely like his Justice League. Um, so so I do I did love his vision, and I was kind of upset with how that all went down. Uh, but like moving on and all that, like I like James Gunn James Gunn's work apparently uh, more than you. But I also I have concerns with his how he uh, matches with the material. Like, that's my only thing with him and uh, Superman. Because it seems very different than what we usually get from him. So even though I love his work, I'm not quite sure. And I'll have to see, like, a trailer or something. I need, I need something to 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 100% put me in that corner. But I will say... Tell- um, oh, go, go on, go on. I was going to say, I mean, I guarantee you that the movie is going to be a hit and that it's going to be very, very good in terms of like audience's perspective, because it's going to be a lot lighter in tone. And as a Superman fan, I get it. That's what a lot of people like. But for me, I like that gritty, like, you know, down to earth, almost like Dark Knight kind of esque approach um, because it felt very fresh. So this this sounds like it's going to be something that's more along the lines of like, you know, uh, you know, like George Reeves, uh, you know, from the 50s. That's that's what I'm kind of envisioning with what James Gunn's probably going to be going for. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I will say that Rachel Brosnahan is perfect casting for uh, for Lois Lane. I'm like, so one thing that I wasn't a huge fan of in the Snyder movies was Amy Adams. I love it, oh, Amy yeah. Adams in general, mm-hmm. but she, she just was miscast, I think. Uh, as it was more like, like they didn't know they didn't know what to do with her. It was like she was just constantly like also that like, oh we need <laughs> we need the staff. It's like okay, so she goes to get the staff in Batman v Superman or Man of Steel. It's like after spoiler alert, snapping someone's neck. It's like oh, I need to be there for him, and it's like going across the city. Like it's I love Amy Adams, but 
very, very underutilized and isn't used. I think that's one aspect most people will think is better in the James Gunn verse. Agreed. I, I agree. Even if some people prefer Snyder's tone. And I'm also not sure about putting all these people in a Superman movie, in the first Superman movie of your universe. That also has me slightly worried that he has like four superheroes here. But whatever, we'll, we'll hold judgment until further notice. So the Emmy nominations were just announced, actually. And we are here to talk a bit about them as our last segment for, uh, for the trades this week. So first, let's take a look at the drama roundup. We got Andor, Better Call Saul, The Crown, House of the Dragon, The Last of Us, Succession, The White Lotus, and Yellow Jackets. Succession, uh, I mean, I Succession, I mean, Succession has it in the bag. Um, I've been watching that show since 2018, but um, I, I was happily surprised that Andor actually made it. Um, I, I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but that was actually really good. Um, I didn't see Yellow Jacket and The Crown. I, I kind of stopped watching. I haven't. Those seen are the two it. I haven't seen either. I oh, okay. still watched it, and it was good. It wasn't as good as the earlier stuff, but it was still good. This is a killer lineup, isn't it? Like, yeah, this is the best like, that the Emmys has been in a while. Yeah, like if I Succession wasn't out. Better Call Saul would would have it in the bag because that was amazing. The final season. Yeah, better yeah. call Saul. The Last of Us was sensational. White Lotus this season was incredible. Um, I love the second season of White Lotus. House of the Dragon was my favorite show last year. So, like, yeah, really? a killer wow. line. Wait, Ben, did you get to House of the Dragon yet? I haven't finished it yet. But are you planning on? From what I've yes, I am. But from what I've seen, it's very good. Um, this year, that's stacked. Like, I loved Andor. I loved The Last of Us. Um, I love Better Call Saul. Um, Succession will probably take it, but I'm really hoping that a wild card wins because that's a little bit interesting. Um, but it's a stack lineup. House of the Dragons actually the only show that's continuing to film right now because all the actors are British, so oh they're my still God. filming. <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> so yeah so that's the only thing we're actually gonna get like uh, next year let's look a bit at best comedy i've also seen a good amount of these uh we got abbott elementary barry the bear jury duty marvelous mrs Maisel, only murders in the building ted lasso and wednesday uh let me just start by saying i'm rooting for the bear to win this year i think it had a great first season Alan, you started it? I've watched the whole first season. I haven't started the second. Yeah, me too. I'm, I'm right there with you. I watched I it in two days, which well, never it, happens to me anymore. Friday is when I started watching the bear. And I was like, oh, I'll watch an episode or two. And I watched the whole first season in like two days. And then season two, I'm halfway into it. And season one, it was good. The last three episodes of that season, they were phenomenal. I was like, yeah, it's, it's going to take best comedy, Easy. I think. I also think just the actors are going to sweep. I think it's going to be like best actor, best supporting actor, best supporting actress. I think, I think that's going to be a sweep this year. Um, I haven't seen the final season of Barry yet, but I'm getting into it. Uh, and then Ted Lasso, I think it was the weakest season, but still, I, I enjoyed it. Only Murders in the Building, also fantastic. And then... Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I loved the final season. Uh, Chad, did you see all of it? So, yes, I actually saw all of Barry and I saw all of Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And I thought that Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it was a bit uneven, but I think that overall it really did a great job in terms of the finale. 
It left me with a good feeling. That's why I said I loved yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, no. The, the finale was phenomenal. I thought with what they did was just really good. Barry, I would say, oh, it's the final season, so it has a chance to win. But I, I don't think it's going to because the second half, it makes some creative decisions that I just don't think are going to land for everyone. I don't like Wednesday being on here, especially mm. over Poker Face and Shrinking. Uh, also, it just got such worse reviews. Shrinking was really good at Jason Siegel got nominated, thankfully. Jessica Williams got nominated, which I'm really happy about. Harrison Ford got snubbed. Rob. I, I haven't um, seen Wednesday, though. Like It was just one of those things where it was just so popular. Was I was like, so oh, I'll watch it eventually. Yeah. I still haven't watched it either. It was so weak. Uh, but Shrinking was amazing. Watch shrink Shrinking. It happened, what happened with me with the bear that I watched in like three days. Shrinking is just like a warm hug of a show. It's so much fun. Yeah. That's on Apple TV or Hulu. Apple TV Plus. Yeah. Apple. Oh, okay. Um, I also thought that Wednesday was really, really out of place in 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 that lineup. I wouldn't really put it there. Um, well, talking about like actors, I was quite surprised that none of the actors for Andor picked up anything that was a little bit of a surprise to me. I, I thought that there would be some. Stellan Skarsgård lost the nomination to his succession. son for Succession. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Succession. That's why I think Succession is going to win Best Drama because when you see how many nominations it got for all those acting, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of support with SAG. And then I think we could see Kieran Culkin, Sarah Snook, Matthew McFadden all winning. Yeah. So, like, yeah, speaking of, actually, it's the first show in history to get three nominations for a lead actor. Uh, no show has ever done that before. I think it's, uh, yeah, Brian Cox, Brian. Uh, Jeremy Strong, and uh, Kieran Culkin. So... Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I think Karen Culkin should win and will win because he never won before. Jeremy Strong won twice, question mark. He won once. And, and, and yeah. once. And uh, spoilers for Succession, Logan is not in the season for that long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so I'm, I, I, I would bet on him. And I think Sarah Snook's going to win it as well. Oh, hands down. I think Jeremy Strong's going to win, to be honest. Um, I just think that, I don't know, don't get me wrong, I, I love the other two performances, but when I think of, like, the main actor, I always just think of him and just his raw emotional performance. That's not to say Aaron Culkin did, didn't have that also, but... I, I agree with you personally 100%. I just think because he won it already, I gave I give a slight edge to, to Kieran. I don't know, just when, when I hear a lot of people talk about that show, I always hear them talk about Jeremy Strong. Like oh, he's fantastic. Such, yeah, he oh, he's so good. Uh, and yeah, Sarah Snook, I also hope, wins. Because she's just... Ever since I saw Predestination, uh, which came out like a decade ago, I was like, she's going to be she's gonna be a star. And so Yeah, someone told me that yesterday. I have to watch Predestination. It's good. Too. It's really good. It. And uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Allen White is winning Best uh, Comedy Actor, right? We're all in agreement with that. Oh, yeah, hands down. And Io Adebri, I hope, wins. She's lovely. She's good. She's really good. Okay, so let's get started with our Indiana Indiana Jones retrospective. Let's start with where it all began. 1981's Indiana Jones, or I guess only Raiders of the Lost Ark at the time. Raiders of the Lost Ark came out in 1981, and George Lucas came up with this story, uh, and Spielberg directed it, as we all know. Uh, and... Uh, I forget the name of the guy who plays Indiana Jones. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so this was, you know, in that first scene, we see Harrison Ford pulling out the whip, and then we, f like, see his face come out of the shadow. 
Uh, we also had Karen Allen playing his love interest, Marion Ravenwood, who later recurred in the franchise. We had John Rhys-Davies as Sala, uh, Delmholm Elliott as Marcus Brody, who is one of my personal favorite characters in the franchise. He's a friend of, um, of Indies, and they have to find the Ark of the Covenant in this one. And personally, this has just always been on my top five or ten favorite movies of all time. It's one that I can revisit every year, a couple years, and not get sick of it, whether it's with friends or alone or with family. Um, I think this is just one of the defining action movies, one of the defining lead characters in a movie. And every action set piece is just engaging and it's shot well, but it's also got heart. Like, personally, one of my favorite moments is actually when he's fighting the shirtless dude. Uh, and then there's the plane in the background. That was always one of my favorites. Or there's the there's the truck scene or the the ending with the arc. I just don't have any complaints about this movie. It's one of my favorites ever. Yeah, I don't yeah, blame I think you. From, um, the, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, I don't blame you. I mean, that's a film that, you know, whether it was the first time I watched when I was like, what, 10 or 11? Or, you know, now, you know, almost two decades later, it's just a film that just keeps on giving. Um, the filmmaking is just outstanding, like just how there's such an emphasis on visual storytelling, but also when there's, exposition that's delivered it's delivered in a way where because the main character is also figuring out the information at the same time as us it just makes it that much more of like a journey that we're going on that just is such such an impactful viewing and also the set pieces like watching it you never feel as though it's just a set piece for set piece sake there's always a reason behind as to why that you know we're there you know whether it's you know the convoy at the end or you know witnessing the opening of the arc and you know everything that happens it's just it's one of the best action films ever and just adventure films in general it's it's hard it, it's very hard to top raiders of the lost ark and what's also impressive is that it's a pg film you know and it's better than a lot a lot of action films even like to this day yeah i think from the get-go this movie is like incredible that's the first scene with uh uh harrison ford and alfred molina like um going into the temple and like uh into those ruins and that iconic scene of the boulder um first of all that iconic scene that we're seeing right now of trying to get the idol and then the iconic scene of the boulder kind of like chasing after him like right away you knew that like this was something like special and like chad I watched it when I, was like, when I was a kid. I loved it as a kid, but I, I think I love it even more as an adult. Like, like in the rewatch that I did like a couple of weeks back, like it's it was just like I felt like a kid watching it, but like at the same time, I was like, yeah, that's this is a masterpiece. Um, it's in my it's definitely in my top thirty uh, movies of all time. We're gonna talk about one that's a little bit higher later on. It's top 50 for me um, of all time, personally. Another thing I wanted to just mention, though, is that also going back to like watching it as a kid versus opposed to now, it's like it's a very gritty, gory film and it doesn't feel sanitized. It just has that, you know, filmic look to it that you just can't help. But, you know, when all these sequences are occurring and there's little spurts of blood, it just adds to that realism, even though, again, it also is based on like serials of the 1930s and everything. So it just it has that nice update of the eighties and it just, I don't know, it's, just, it's aged very well, very, very well. And it's one of Spielberg's best in my opinion. 
I think the action holds up very, very well. All the like sets are, are great. Like the you talk about like fighting the shirtless guy on the plane. Like that's awesome to watch. Also, the story behind this scene is really fun. Like he was just sick on 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 the day he wasn't he wasn't wasn't feeling well so it's like okay just like pull out the gun and like shoot him and then that, it's like why that, can't i just shoot it. him yeah. that's what i was thinking yeah um this movie has a ton of like I- iconic scenes i think th- like all the indiana jones movies like have a formula of like the prologue which is like an, an adventure and then like the intro like they all run run the same i think the the prologue here with with the idol is one of like is one of the best it's just really fun to watch and it's iconic uh in introduces the main antagonist as well it's a very enjoyable movie movie to watch talk about like a franchise like hitting the ground running like it definitely wasn't supposed to be a franchise i don't think and um and it just became one right away like right in that scene that ben was just talking about and uh, it's crazy because it's been like what fifty years, almost like forty something years. Yeah, um, forty-two years, forty-two years, and it's still again. We're gonna talk about a movie in this franchise that came out like a week or two ago. So like, uh, yeah, this uh, this franchise is fantastic, and like I said before, it's one of my favorite franchises. Like. Of, uh, of all time. Uh, if you guys had to rate this movie uh, 0 out of 10, what would you rate it? Let's start with uh, Chad. So for me, it's hands down a 10 out of 10. It wasn't always that, though. Uh, like, I would always go from, like, 9, 9.5. But the last two games, I'm like, no, it's it's a 10 out of 10. It's a masterpiece. I, I wouldn't change a single thing about it, to be honest with you. So for me, I would go, I'm not going to go 10 because that's reserved for a different movie in this franchise for me, but I am going to go 9.75 just because of that reason. You, that's you, my only stubborn, reason. Stubborn, You're being stubborn perfect. today, my guy. <laughs> would, you, would you get Kingdom of the Crystal Skull 10 out of 10? Uh, oh. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why you would just spoil that. In a, like we're so early on, and you would spoil something like that. It's a ten for me, also. Let's just let's just get that out of the way. Should have won Best Picture yeah. in two thousand eight. Um, what did it lose to? Chariots of Fire. Some dog. I think it was yeah. Some dog millionaires. Chariots of Fire is a far worse movie. I've watched it recently. Oh, Raiders All Star. Oh, yeah. Raiders All Star should have won Best Picture. I can't give it a 10 God, what is, because, what is because another today? movie that I would put as like a, a 10 out of 10 it's really hard to give them both a 10 because I think one is better than the other one so I I can't give it a 10 9 to 9.5 but I, I just can't give it a 10 wow you guys really won't give me Turn of events, damn, Chad! I thought this was gonna be ten all on the board. Also, like I'm with you here. Well, I agree with you. It is a ten out of ten movie. I'm just, I'm just highlighting my own bullshit list. Okay, let's let's calm down. Let's let's move on now. Uh, we got another good movie here to talk about. We got Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. 
This is one of the ones that I think is like really interesting to talk about because unlike Raiders, which I think everyone just praises the way we do, uh, this one has like a very wider scope of of thoughts around it. There are some people who love it, maybe even as much as Raiders. There's some who are like, yeah, it's it's nice. Um, so I'm really excited to see where we all land on Temple of Doom. Um, let's start with Ben this time. What, what do you think of this one? Okay, so the really interesting part about this movie is it's surprisingly violent compared to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, a lot more gory. Um, I don't think the like story beats hold up so well either. Like the story seems really weird. Like the plane crashed, then they're like in India, like with the resistance. It's it's very it's quite um, doesn't feel natural. Um, and then you get um, Willie, who I will compare to um toby Maguire's spider-man's mj <laughs> where the the action i agree the action sequences in this movie are amazing but all you can hear is willie screaming <laughs> and that i find very off-putting By the way, Willie is, of course, played by Kate Capshaw, who has been Steven Spielberg's wife for a couple of decades. Um, I think they met on the set of this movie and fell in love. And uh, Kihoi Kwan, I think when I first watched this movie, he also annoyed me a bit. But now seeing Kihoi Kwan's success story, like I can't find myself being annoyed by him anymore. I agree with Ben 100%. Kate Capshaw just annoys the shit out of me in this movie. <laughs> Uh, I um, I defended MJ in uh, in our Spider-Man episode. I am not gonna do the same thing here. Uh, yeah, like uh, thank God, a uh, short round is there to kind of balance balance it a little bit. But yeah, overall, this movie it's, it's a weird one for me. Uh, I definitely don't like it as much as uh the other two in the in the first trilogy and like. I like the really gory, like dark stuff. That's that's not what puts me off. I just agree with Ben that it's like a weirdly like paced movie in a way, and like um, I don't know. It it just didn't click with me. And I'm uh, like in the rewatch that I did, I was like, for the first time, I watched it in chronological order, which means this movie comes first, and then you watch uh, Raiders. So. Uh, that was also kind of a weird choice in retrospect. Like, why not do an actual sequel to, to one of the best movies of all time? Uh, but like, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I I still give this movie a pretty high grade, but like, compared to the other two movies in the in like in the quote unquote trilogy, uh, it it doesn't really stack up for me. So, I quite like this film, but I also share a lot of the same criticisms as you guys. I like, I love the darkness of this film. I love the fact that it pays homage to a obscure 1939 film, Gunga Din, uh, and just that darkness of like the the occult and everything. Like, I I really I dig it. 
Um, and I also think that it pushing the PG rating to the point of where a new rating came to be. PG-13 was also something that I also quite liked. But, yeah, Willie, I'm, I'm not a fan of. It, it really detracts from the movie. I think that every time there's a focus on her, it's just like, my goodness, like, are you serious? Like, why are we focusing on this? And I think also that it's a film that it gets better as it goes along, but it, it has a very yeah. comfy, like, prologue, which, as we all know, as you guys all mentioned, like, prologues are something that's quite important with the Indiana Jones franchise. Like, you think about the Raiders of Lost Ark, like, that whole chase, there's not Jungle, the boulder, and everything. All that, it's so iconic, and it just, it, it gets the ball rolling, so to speak. But Temple of Doom, it's like, oh, this person's poison, this person's poison, it's like, okay. And then it's like screaming, and then it's like, oh, you get on the airplane, and then that's when things slowly start getting going. it's a but, bit long. Yes. It, and that's the thing. For me, my rating is lower because it takes such a such a long time to get going but for, as soon as they get to the palace onwards in this movie i am all on board and i absolutely love the the bridge sequence yeah. is one of my favorite in the franchise and then i also love the minecart chase the minecart chase so good. It, it's outstanding it really is um but i i like this film but i also think that I would have probably not liked it as much in 1984, just knowing that it's a prequel, because I'm usually not as, as big of a fan, you know, of prequels. But just watching it now, I just watch it as like a standalone Indiana Jones adventure. I'm like, I like it. I, like, I watch it always after Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it's always just kind of interesting to see that, like, dark Spielberg, uh, you know, kind of period. Same with Lucas, because I think both of them were going through a divorce, if I'm not mistaken, when this film was uh, being created. And it shows. Yeah, for me, I actually really enjoy the whole, like, anything goes musical number leading to a shootout leading to them having to like jump off the plane. I think it's actually a pretty good hook. And then the movie really starts to like slow down for me when they're like riding on the elephant through the jungle. And then you have like the fun cave scene where it's like closing in on them, the walls, which I think is, is fun. And there's like the spiders. I think that's good. And then once you have like the, the temple and you know, the new rating scene, like the heart ripping out, I think from there, the movie picks up again Besides that, I think it slows down and it also just suffers because of Willie, who's just a huge downgrade from Marion Ravenwood. Uh, but yeah, the minecart chase I love. And then it wastes no time. It goes straight back into like the bridge sequence, uh, which I think is a really good climax overall. And But yeah, I think because of the pacing, it's just not as consistent as Raiders. It's still rewatchable. It went up for me on rewatches but not as much as Raiders. At the moment that they... Uh, I think the moment that they find that uh, crack in uh, Willie's room and they go inside that disgusting in insect infe uh, like infested like cave, then the movie goes insane and I love it. That scene might be one of the most disgusting things ever. <laughs> With the heart and he... Does he like, no, not does he like crush her? Or does he eat? I him? have no problem seeing oh. a guy smoosh a heart. <laughs> I have more of a problem seeing those insects. <laughs> uh, well, that's the thing, also. I mean, and I'm sure we'll get into with Dial Destiny later on, but you feel those insects and everything. Like when you're watching it, yeah. it's like you feel it because it's like I know that that's real and everything, and it just makes it all the more creepy. Uh, can't oh, it was awful. Destiny. Like I remember I also played the Indiana Jones Lego video game. So I remember the insects oh, were a yes. huge part of that. Yes. So I was also like, yeah, like, oh, it's so bad. 
Okay, are you guys ready for uh, for some scores? Let's start with uh, Ben this time. Um, I think I'm going to give this movie probably a seven because it's not like unwatchable, but I also don't really enjoy watching it as as a whole. So it's it's going to take a, a few hits for like the criticism that I have for it. For me, I, I didn't start watching this until like eight years ago, but it is a film that I do come back to, not as much as Raiders Lost Ark or Last Crusade, but I come back to it enough to where there is rewatchability value, and I do like this film as a whole, despite having problems. So for me, I, I'd give it like a seven and a half out of five. I still quite like it. Just huge downgrade from Raiders. I'd probably say seven as well. I wouldn't mind giving it seven and a half just because there's a lot of rewatchability, but yeah, seven, seven and a half, no more, no more, nor less. Wow. When we were, we went, when we went into this, I was sure, because I've heard a lot of people love this movie. So I was sure that like, I was going to have the lowest one and in the end I'm going to have the highest one. So there we go. I, for me, it's an eight. Uh, like it's, I still like, even though the beginning was rough for me, Overall, I had a gr- like a great time from like a certain point onwards, and it became sort of like a perfect Indiana Jones movie after a certain point, and I have to give it uh, credit for that. And this rewatch bumped this movie up a little bit for me. Um, okay, should we get into the Last Crusade? This is the last entry well, in the series, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. It's kind of like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. There's only three movies. Yeah. Yeah, so Last Crusade opens up with um, young Indy played by River Phoenix. And we get like a backstory about his fear of snakes uh, and his whole like, it belongs in a museum uh, saying. And then uh, we had... And the hat. You get the hat as well. You get the origin of the hat. That's the most important part. Yeah, I love that opening scene. We also have Julian Glover as Walter Donovan, who is my personal favorite villain of the whole franchise. And we got the return of Sala. We got the return of Marcus Brody. Um, We got Elsa, who I actually really like as a character. But most importantly, we got Sean Connery as Dr. Henry Jones Sr. Uh, Some of the most magical chemistry, in my opinion, in a movie, him and Harrison Ford. Um, And Sean Connery was perfect as like the like the standard for an older indie, I guess, like Indy's dad, who they're trying to like work out their father-son issues. Look, everything I said about Raiders pretty much applies to Last Crusade. I rewatched it like kind of lately, and I just think it's another like favorite of mine. I think every every like the plot and the dialogue is is so much fun and exciting, and it looks all practical. Uh, it's also funny. Like, there's a scene where Indiana Jones, like, uh, there's a Nazi who's coming up to him on a blimp because he suspects him, so he punches him off the blimp. <laughs> they all look at him and he goes, no ticket. This is my, so my opinion, the funniest moment in the whole franchise. He's, like, pretending to be, he's disguised as a Nazi, too. And um, everyone, like, gets um, their ticket out, like, right. Yeah, they all pull it out. It's such, like, a classic Spielberg moment. This movie is mind-blowingly amazing. I really liked it as a kid, but like in my rewatches, it kept going up and up and up. And now it's one of my favorite movies of all time. 
this one is in my top 15 movies of all time, actually. Uh, not in my top 30. And like, um, yeah, I second everything that Gao just said. And everything that we, he's right, that we said about Raiders applies here. But I think even at some points to a, a slightly larger degree, uh, I love the villains in this movie. I love that the girl turns out to be a villain instead of like that. That wasn't, I guess, that common back then. And uh, like I was not expecting that at all, actually. And he has the classic line where he's like, how do you know she was a Nazi? And then Sean Connery goes, she talks in her sleep. Oh, uh, yeah. That... <laughs> that was so good, actually. <laughs> that was really that was good. so good. So good. And Harrison Ford's and the reaction sheepers, was like, <laughs> oh, no. You did it so well just now. Mm. I also love like when they're up in the airplane and he just like casually says nine o'clock and he just looks at his uh, pocket watch. He's like, "What's happening at nine o'clock?" And it's like, "No, nine o'clock." And just like pointing in the directions of like you know being <laughs> the movie does have such a great sense of humor. And then he um, and then he like shoots their own like tail wing and he's like, "I'm sorry, they got us." <laughs> <laughs> I I remember that now. No, like I don't know how no one has spoken about this already but the score in this movie is unbelievable the like uh, main theme is incredible like whenever i think of indiana jones music it's it's like the original like indiana jones theme and then the lost crusade like main theme that plays throughout the movie is unbelievable the like action in this movie as well, the boat chase, the like tank, um, like fight at the end. The tank is so good. These Where he like, falls and he's like, "No, my son!" And then Indy also looks down. Mm, like, these are really awesome uh, scenes. Like, I, I love this movie so much. has like the best MacGuffin in the series like it's literally the holy grail like you can't get any better than that and like uh it's so good to see like this i think this is also a bit of an indiana jones trope that indy never believes what's gonna happen even though he's been through this like a thousand times and he's seen ghosts and shit and he's like no this it's, it's not there that's uh that's uh that's bullshit and then he gets there and he's like Oh my god it's real and like um the whole thing with the night uh, it's so fun when uh when the bad guy drinks it and he goes you've chosen poorly and he like but i will say to you grows you old get- in like five seconds yeah it was so yeah again when this this movie is piece of art well and what's impressive at least for me is that We've all talked about how humorous this film is and how much the humor works. But what's also incredible is that this relationship between the two Joneses, it's also very emotional. Like at the very end when he has to decide between, you know, the the cup or, you know, getting his dad's hand like to go up and everything. And his dad actually calls him by the name that he, you know, has been wanting to be called for years and years. And he does. It's like it's just such an impactful moment. Um, And they, you know. 
I was going to say drive, they go off in the sunset and horses and everything. It's just, it's such an emotional ending. And it's like, you wouldn't think that it would be because this franchise is more so about the adventure than the um, emotional beats. But I definitely understand why, you know, if, if this would be someone's favorite entry in the series, because it does have that emotional core that the other two don't necessarily have. Um, but it's such a great adventure yeah. film. It really is. Yeah, his relationship with his dad is is amazing, and it's it's such a beautifully constructed arc, like you said, because they start out as at such odds, like a very strange father, um, and they're caught up in this larger than life situation, and just brings them together by then, which is all both of them always wanted, but you know, life is a bit of a bitch sometimes, so like yeah. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful. I might have cried in the end of this movie when I rewatched it. Oh, I don't blame you. There, there's another thing I, I, I just wanted to quickly touch on, but I don't know if, if you guys feel this way about, you know, a, a lot of films, especially last like five years, but in terms of quote unquote fan service, this film showcases how to do it right because it never feels like it, it it always feels purposeful it never feels like it's just forced in like with that opening scene how we see everything that you know as to why how he got the hat how he got the whip and everything it all makes sense and it's never like oh my goodness say we had to do this it always feels purposeful to the characters and i just have such an appreciation for that that you know what was it 34 years ago they were able to do it what some films today try to do and it just was like this doesn't work yeah okay are you guys ready for uh for some grades for uh for indiana jones and the last crusade uh i'm gonna start because i want to this movie is 10 out of 10 one of the best movies of all time i love this movie so freaking much again i'm not sure which okay. position is in but it's definitely in my top 15 movies of all time You've chosen wisely because that's my rating. Oh yes, that's fair. I'd give it a nine out of ten personally. I really like it. Um, I don't love it, but it's a film that my rating's gone up over the years. So who knows? Maybe at some point it will be a ten out of ten. But um, I, th I think the the relationship between the father and son. I think that's something that really elevates it um, over Temple of Doom. But yeah. Great, great ending to the franchise. <laughs> yeah, um, this one hundred percent. I'm giving a ten. Um, and now uh, we move on to the next one. How fun! No, yeah, they they ride off into the sunset, and the series ends. Wonder what Indy's oh, doing wait, now. Never mind. Uh, so, why don't we get started, which was, I guess, not controversially agreed upon as the worst movie in the franchise. Uh, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, I want to just say that, like, this movie was actually the first Indiana Jones movie that I ever watched. I think so, I too. It, I watched it in theaters with my dad. And I think right after we, we, we watched the other ones, like at home. No, because it's the thing, like my friend, 
like this friend I was talking to, like, oh yeah, the first Indiana Jones movie where they're like uh, in the boat truck with the with the fire ants, like in the Amazons, and he's like, hate to break it to you, bro, but that was three years ago. Shia LaBeouf also stars in this movie as in the Sun. Spoiler alert, I guess. And um, Karen Allen returns as uh, Marion Ravenwood as one of the only good decisions in this movie. <laughs> when I first saw it, I mean, I was like six years old, so I can't really remember. But I rewatched it um, kind of recently, and I think there are some parts that are not as terrible as some recount. Like, for example, they're in the... Um, I think the only thing that redeems this movie is Spielberg. Because, for example, he and Mutt Williams are in the library. They're like doing like classic Indiana Jones things. And the production design, the cinematography, it all looks good. But basically, there are, I think, some parts that I guess are like watchable. But then you have nuclear... Nuketown from Call of Duty, and he survives it in a... In a uh, not microwave, a refrigerator. Or aliens. Like... I think Kate Blanchett did okay as the villain, and I think some of her stuff is cool. And they have the scene like it's a throwback to the first movie with the with the packages, with the boxes. Um, but then this movie makes a lot of poor choices, especially with aliens. One point that I disagree with you on is I think that this movie, cinematography wise, really drops the ball a lot. Uh, the lighting in this movie looks very unnatural. Um, if you look at like the bridge scene from like, Temple of Doom, mm -hmm. the lighting is really natural. You can tell it's like outside. Um, also, the um, the clothing that they wear is like matches the setting they're in. In this movie, it looks like it's shot in a studio. The, there's no shadows anywhere. It's just light. Um, Maybe the, I was thinking more set design then. Um, all of like the uh, costumes that they wear look like they've just come out of like the the laundry. They put them on like they're in a jungle, <laughs> and their clothing looks spotless. Um, and this is really really weird. There's a lot of very interesting decisions that they make some are cool the i actually thought that the um gunpowder thing in the opening was like really really cool and like you see there's the really funny part where he swings and then he nearly hits the like back of the truck and then he misses and he flies into the um something in this movie that's just really weird is Indiana Jones feels invincible. Um, the like during the jungle like chase, um, he just like punches a few guys in a car and then just drives the whole time. He's never under threat. I think this is the only Indiana Jones movie where he never fires a gun. The entire movie. Um, and it's really weird, some of the things that happen in this movie. Um, driving off a cliff, and then they land completely fine, and then the, the tree, water. the tree, like, flies swatting them off the cliff. <laughs> There's... That's some uh, Vin Diesel stuff right there. And then the end, 
is the complete opposite of the end to The Last Crusade, where each chamber that Indiana Jones has to go through in The Last Crusade, like it's building the suspense and you feel like he, you feel like he could die at any moment because you see it. You see, like the people get uh, the Arabic soldiers, like get decapitated, and then you see him like fall through the J. Like there's actual, um, you you feel like it can go wrong. And then in this movie, they just go through a chamber. Okay, next chamber. Okay, next chamber. And then. Um, um the alien at the end with the uh, combustible knowledge it, it's a very weird movie to watch yeah i think at the end too it's one of those things where it's like all these skulls combined to make one alien i think it would have been more interesting if they had it where they needed that extra head so that way all of those were other aliens as well just waiting for the leader like the leader head it's a film that I don't I don't hate it, and I don't know if that's maybe just like nostalgia, because I only saw as a child I only watched it, like the first one and the fourth one, um, and the fourth one I would actually it's going to be a hot take, but I actually watched the most of those two, um, but I hadn't seen it in like nearly a decade, so I rewatched. You're a it, kid. Like, it's re- okay. We don't judge. Yeah, <laughs> but I rewatched it like a year or two ago, and, and I'm not gonna lie, I. I I think it's a middle-of-the-road movie. I think as an Indiana Jones movie, it's very, like, eh. But as its own movie, it's it's eh, it's whatever. Um, I do agree, um, you know, with you, Ben, that some of this, the cinematography in terms of the lighting, like, I know that, um, I forget the cinematographer's name, I think it's Shannon Skaninsky, or I, I, I always butcher his, his name. But That's he, insane, he has a he's lot such of a great cinematographer. <laughs> he's in, yeah, he's incredible, but he loves overblown lighting. So it's one of those things where it's like, I when whenever I see that in terms of his films, like the way that they're shot, I'm always looking at it. So I'm like, okay, so why is he choosing this? Because I know it's an artistic choice. Um, but I, I think that combined with the costume design and just how clean everything looks, combined with the fact that it's a very um, bloodless film and they use the same sound effect for all the punches. Um, It it definitely left me feeling like, eh, okay, whatever. But I do like some things in this. Yeah, I agree more with you than with them in this one. Like, I think I like it more (laughs) than they do. I think I'm more with you. Um, I think most of the problems that we have in this movie... I would blame it on the 2000s. <laughs> but, like, it's, it's this movie is, like, there's so many good movies in the 2000s, but, like, this movie, it's, like, a lot of, like, the bad stuff that we learn in the 2000s. Like, a lot of, like, you know, the green screen and the bad CGI and, uh, and all that. Uh, but I will say, like, overall, like, did have a lot of fun watching this movie again. I don't know if it was the um, the nostalgia that it was the first movie I ever watched. I'm, I'm saying on my rewatch, like two weeks ago. Uh, I don't know if because I wasn't on an Indiana Jones kick after watching the whole trilogy, uh, but I actually liked it a lot more than the last time that I rewatched it. And um, a lot of the things that bug everyone and that used to bug me a lot just didn't bug me as much. Shia LaBeouf was not bad 
uh, as his kid. I, I, I didn't think so. Um, I thought it was like a good foil to, to Harrison Ford in this movie. Um, yeah, again, like we said, great choice in uh, bringing Carrie Ann Allen back as the love interest. Uh, she's, she's great in this movie. Uh, the scene when, uh, uh, where they basically tell them, tell the Shia LaBeouf that he's Indiana Jones kid. It's so funny. And, um, especially when two minutes prior, he was saying like, Oh kid, you can do whatever you want. Like you just gotta, you know, put your mind to it. Don't yes. let anyone tell you differently. Yeah. Then it's like, exactly. as he finds out that his father, it's like, you gotta go back to school. It's like, <laughs> Exactly, and when um, and when they're talking about um, when they're talking about their relationship again in front of their son, which is kind of weird, but like, and she goes, "Oh, you must have dated a bunch of uh, women, and you must have forgotten about me." And he was like, "There's one problem with all of them; none of them were you." And I was like, "Yeah, that's 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 some good stuff." Um, also, the college campus action scene I thought was phenomenal, yeah, like that good. chase scene. Yeah, I, that's, that's I, I really dig it. Yeah, when the bike goes under the the table, like the on the in the at the library, yes. it was like phenomenal, phenomenal action scene. I also I just want to say this: this might be a hot take, but I do think that the the nuclear blast and everything. I think that it, it is fitting because it is taking place in the 1950s, and even the alien and everything. That all I think matches the tone of the 50s, just as with the Nazis and. Um, you know, well, yeah, the Nazis with the 1930s fit that. I just think that the overall execution of those elements in the 1950s could have been better handled. And I think that it comes down to the writing. Because Spielberg, I think, is directing is, is good overall with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I just think the writing left a lot to be desired. Well, hot take here. Especially, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I don't hate it. Like, I, I wish I could, I could stand by... Like I like I understand why with Star Wars people hate you know the prequels because I'm I'm right there with them. But King of the Crystal Skull, I, I just I don't really feel that way. Yeah, me neither. I actually thought it was funny this time that I rewatched. I knew that the scene was coming. It's super early in the movie, by the way. It seems like it would be in the middle, but it's very early on that the nuclear strike happens. I think first twenty minutes or something like that, which I did not remember at all. And when it happened, I knew it was going to happen right away when he walked into the house. <laughs> and I just, I left. It wasn't like, I wasn't like laughing at the movie. I was kind of laughing with the movie for the first time watching that scene. And um, I don't know. I I know it was stupid, but like, I just, I, I, again, I felt like Chad just said that like, it kind of, kind of fit the team. And like, the I, I thought it was like a funny well, scene. And Alan, especially because I, I feel like Spielberg, he, he's he's an intelligent director. Like he he knows that we're immediately going to be like, wait a minute. But that's why I love the little, you know, camera angle choice. Like the camera work, how he just immediately like um, slowly creeps up onto the uh, the like lead lining. So it's like, OK, so that's that's the film's yeah. reasoning as to why he's able to survive a nuclear blast. It's like, OK, yeah. I got it. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't explain how he wasn't like didn't die of like blunt force trauma oh <laughs> yeah especially especially how many times he got thrown uh, yeah you know through that <laughs> he's the main character plus armor but to be fair his heart almost got taken out and king um not king of the temple of doom he he drank the blood of uh Kali or yeah Kali, i think and then uh 
what was it the the wrath of god and raiders lost ark so i mm-hmm. i don't know it's just for me it's like yeah i mean he survives all this other shtick so it's like you know why not a nuclear blast why not so like one of the things about this movie is a, a has a lot of good ideas some executed well some executed badly and a lot of bad ideas executed badly um one of the best like action scenes is the really early like uh bike chase that you guys were were talking about earlier but even that has its own like it ends very distastefully with the decapitation of the statue like not only did they decapitate a statue of his friend but the actor also like very recently died and they decapitated his statue in the movie and that was a little bit distasteful I'm going to say like five and a half or six out of ten. Um, higher than I thought it would be, honestly. Yeah, it used to be lower, but it's not that bad. There's elements of it that I think are just poorly written, but there's there's parts of it that are enjoyable, like you said. Um, I think I'm going to give it a five. Um, they're... Are oh, definitely redeeming qualities in in the movie that make it n- not completely terrible, but I can't look past the like badly made decisions or bad bad ex- execution throughout the movie. My rating is actually close to yours, Ben. So I I give it like five and a half out of ten. Um, really, I think yeah, I think to be honest with you, I don't even think. Usually in terms of like letterbox ratings, normally I'll give it like a heart. I don't think I even gave it a heart because even when I rewatched the franchise recently, I, I didn't I didn't bother rewatching the fourth because I was like I was like, I mean, the third one, that's when they should have ended it. But there's again, some elements of King of Crystal School I think are really good. Other stuff eh, no. And now uh, the whole internet's gonna hate me. It's uh seven. Ten out of ten. Oh, seven. <laughs> I, I can't explain it. It was just a good time. <laughs> um, okay, so now we're going to enter our review for the day, which is in the same franchise. Um, the Dial of... Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny um, takes place a few years after Crystal Skull um, when the daughter of one of um, Indiana Jones' friends is looking for the Dial of Destiny. I can't remember the exact name for it. The... Let's just call it the Dial of Destiny. I don't I'll remember. Call it that. It's something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't remember. And this movie is very Indiana Jones. Um follows the formula quite well there's like the the prologue with the nazi train which is very good um one kind of off-putting thing part uh, about it is it's like old harrison ford voice with young harrison ford body. i thought that um but i i thought it was very good a great start to to the movie and then it jumps forward in time and he's a teacher again at a different uh, school, and he's retiring, and they're like landing on the moon, um, and you get a little bit of like 
Operation Paperclip with like the Americans working with like German like Nazi scientists to put men on the moon and a, a Nazi scientist is trying to go back in time to save Germany in World War II um, and I'm not sure how this movie manages to follow the Indiana Jones formula but also be half an hour to what feels like 45 minutes longer than all the other movies. It's a very long movie and it f- and you can feel the length. It, um, th- in my opinion, there's some parts that can be removed um, and we can talk about that a bit later, but they go to like Morocco and then they go to Greece uh there's i think there's a bit too many places they go to um uh yeah and if it was slightly shorter i think it would be really really brilliant um but i th- i think there's a, there's a little bit too much yeah uh I guess I might be in the minority of this one. I I really didn't like this movie like at all. Um, it's going to sound kind of terrible to say, but this gave me more appreciation for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull because Dial of Destiny I saw what was it two weeks ago, and I had to before you know going on this podcast, I had to look at my review as like a refresher of what happened because it's just it's such a forgettable entry, and I I never thought I would say that about an Indiana Jones movie because you know it's like oh yeah this is the one where you know, someone's face melted, or, oh, this is the one where, you know, heart got taken out. And this one, it's like, it's where they do time traveling in the last, like, five minutes of a nearly three-hour movie. Got it. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a very off-putting movie. Like, it, it's incredibly safe, and I think that considering this franchise started off as, like, a, you know, unsafe action film that felt like a breath of fresh air, it just was very off-putting with how, like, how sanitized it's even more sanitizing king of the crystal skull and the way it ends i'm like i never thought i would say oh yeah king of the crystal skull like the ending like i retroactively respect it more but that's that's how i felt with this one i really did not like dial destiny um and i'm saying as a huge fan of the Jones, i really really did not like it so sorry about the rant <laughs> uh, i actually i actually really like this movie like i went in knowing that the reviews were mixed and so I was waiting for something like some like really bad script choice or like a really like cringy MacGuffin or plot decision to come in. And I just didn't get that. Like, uh, first of all, uh, Ben and I saw an IMAX and I thought just visually, I thought James Mangold did a beautiful job of making it feel Indiana Jonesy. I thought like the 60s style was immersive and you could really feel like, uh, you know, there's an artifact behind any of these walls. I really liked that about it. And then just in terms of the plot, like it wasn't, the plot was, I guess, kind of safe. But I was really just satisfied with the action. I really thought uh, the way it was edited and the score. I mean, we don't even have to mention John Williams because he's always amazing. But I also just really enjoyed how Harrison Ford gave it his all. I loved the way it was shot. I thought... Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge was really good. Like she was better in my opinion than Shia LaBeouf. 
Um, Boyd Holbrook, I thought was really good. Mads Mikkelsen, I thought was a great villain. I liked his villain here more than I liked his villain in Doctor Strange. Um, and I also just thought that like, personally, I didn't mind the runtime as much. Like you can feel it just cause it's a lot of locations, but I didn't mind it. And I also thought the, the final act, I didn't think the decision was, I thought it was okay in terms of Indiana Jones spirit. You know, you get like the ghosts coming out of the arc, you get, uh, you know, ripping, like there's, there's a room for something like very out there and ballsy and, and weird and crazy. And like when it comes to time travel and history, I'm kind of glad that they went there. I enjoyed it personally. Well, yeah, I'm glad that you had a good time with it. And to be honest with you, the third act when they went and they did like, you know, time traveling and everything, I wish that they did more with that because I felt like it was very surface level. Like I, I thought that the idea of them going back in time and everything was something that I liked, but I just thought the execution left a lot to be desired. Like the fact when he goes back and I was like, yeah, I think I'll just die here and it's like why and it's like i ah, just i'll just die here and i'm like okay and i'm someone that i like it like i liked logan i liked the decision to kill him off or at least we all thought until deadpool 3 but anyways um i liked that idea and usually i'm all about that but here i just was like if they decide to do that it's going to be very like not fitting to with everything that we saw before that and no, i just that thought I agree that, with they didn't kill him yeah but the fact that you know, Phoebe Waller just like knocked him out, and it was like he just wakes up in his home and everything. I'm like, okay, first of all, how did you even get him to? I don't know. It's when you in a franchise that you're not supposed to really ask questions. You're supposed to just go along with the journey. This movie just made me ask a lot more questions that I'm not used to with this franchise. Like, I like I, I usually just go with it, but I, I just found myself asking a lot of questions. Like, how did they do this? Why did they do this? And I'm just like, I felt very frustrated watching it. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I think you guys noticed that I've been very silent during this uh, part (laughs) of the conversation. I'm just taking it all in. Um, It's weird because when I saw the movie, it was, there was a lot of things that I really loved about it. Like, um, the first scene with uh, the Nazi stuff, like that's that's like Indiana Jones at like its core. It's weird as hell that he sounds ninety five, but whatever. Um, uh, like it's not like we have technology to fix that right in twenty twenty three, and we just used it in a show done by this. We used it in a show made by the same company. How the hell did that happen? Like Luke Skywalker didn't sound like he was sixty in uh, oh, Boba yeah, Fett. You're right. He sounded like he was thirty. <laughs> so I don't know what happened there. Um, but yeah, that scene was pretty great, and I like the connection of like uh, Mads Mikkelsen with like the real life, like Nazi situation of the um, uh, the Nazis helping the U.S. government and all that. But like. And all that was good, but like there's, and the second action scene is also really good of him in the horse in the middle of the city. I thought that was amazing. But like, kind of like everything after that until they go to, to the, like to that dig, to like to that excavation where they find the, the actual MacGuffin was kind of too. It was 
dragged on. Like it was too long. I didn't like the characters enough besides Indy. Like I have to disagree with Gao. I think that uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge's uh, character was not better than uh, Shia LaBeouf. I think she was like, because he was annoying at first, but like he had this weird like kid complex and like with the whole dad thing and all that. And then he gradually becomes better. I think like she's annoying as hell the whole movie. And then in the final scene, you're supposed to believe that in the drop of a hat, like she became good. She was laughing five minutes after Antonio Banderas died. And like Indy even points that out, like that's horrible. <laughs> it was like, what are you laughing about? Like, um, so yeah, so for me, her character was like, not because of her, she's a great actress. Uh, um, yeah. and I'm not like, oh, they, they're making Indiana Jones. That's definitely not what I'm doing here. Um, I just thought that like the script really let her down as an actress because it was a lot of her just being like, not even annoying, but just kind of not of a good person. And then at the drop oh. of a head, she becomes a scumbag. Uh, a little. I think also, Ben, you told me you were like the opposite, right? Because you said the movie picked up for you during the scuba diving scene. Yeah. Remove the whole Morocco sequence from the movie and it would be so much better. And then like for me, picked up when they went to the like the Aegean and did the diving. Um, one thing about Phoebe's character is I actually disagree that she she was a like stereotypical terrible person because like she is stereotypical like rogue with the heart of gold like th throughout the movie where like the the kids like i thought we were doing this for for the money and she's like yeah 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 we're doing it for the money yeah 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 no she's like she's not she she like wants to do her wants to finish her 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 dad's work one of the like really fun things in in the movie like a really fun callback that 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 i picked up is um in india i was like why are you looking for the thing that drove your father crazy? And she says, like, w wouldn't you? That was a really cool, like, callback to the... The Holy to, Grail. To the Grail. Like, that that, that was quite fun. Um, um, The kid. I can't remember his name. It, it was, like, something... He had, like, an American name, even though he was... He, Teddy. His name was Teddy. Teddy didn't need to be in the movie at all. Oh, I agree. She reminded me a lot of like Mac and King of Christmas Hall, where she's like, "Good, bad, good, bad," and you're. It's just kind of like, after a while, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of over whether yeah. you're good or bad. Like, I don't care. And I'm saying as a huge Phoebe Waller fan, I think she's a great actress, but it just a lot of times with her decision making, it felt more so like based on, hey, I'm doing this because the script's saying this, not so much like, hey, as a character, this decision makes sense. I don't know. Also. I just want to get this out, out of the way. I was also just frustrated that with um, Indiana Jones, like after the, uh, you know, him on a horse and everything, every other action scene, it just felt very much so like he was avoiding being a part of the action. And I get it. He's old, but this is an Indiana Jones film and he always have to, has to be at the center of the action. And it's like, yeah. I love motorcycle chases. I love that, like, you know, just that kind of action. But it just seemed like we got a lot of that. And it just kind of felt repetitive after a while. One thing I, I I will say is I said this movie is very Indiana Jones. Uh, it's textbook in in Indiana Jones. 
And that's why I, um, it was said that it, it feels so safe because it is just textbook. There's no really like risks taken. It's kind of just following a checklist of like a formula with none of the like magic of of the first three. It felt like a checkbox type movie. It didn't feel like it had the heart or the soul of the first three, um, or even some of King of Crystal Skull's little bit of a heart that it had. Here, I'll start fine. I, I actually really liked it more than most people in the world. I personally gave it an eight, but yeah. I will say when I first watched it, I gave it an eight as well. Uh, when I was coming off that movie, I was like, in the high of seeing Indy kiss Marion. So I was like, fuck yeah, finally happened. He's he's happy. That's all I needed instead of him being beaten down for like 20 years. But the more I think about this movie and the more I thought since then, and uh, you know, I started seeing some of the critiques a little bit more and I just started thinking by myself a little bit more about it. Uh, yeah, there's some stuff in here that like really make me like some not even like want to rewatch it that much. I'm pro- I probably will when it comes out on like Disney Plus or something. But like, as a huge fan as I am, like I thought I would be one of those that would have gone like two, three times in the theater, and then in. Um, would have gotten it for rent when it got uh when it got out you know like uh that's what i did with like you know when star wars came back and all that um so yeah so for me it's a seven and a half it's slightly better in the than crystal skull when it comes to like filmmaking maybe 725 like just slightly better when like it's it's a lot better when it comes to filmmaking in general but like it, like you said, it lacks the magic that Crystal Skull had, even though it was little of it as well. Yeah, well, I, I respect both of your guys' views and and ratings in regards to this film because, you know, it's one of those things that I, you know, even if I don't like something, I definitely want to see where other people do get enjoyment out of something. So, despite not liking this movie at all, you know, I'm, I'm glad you guys like this. Um, for me, there's just so many elements that I just I found it very much a slog, and it's one of those things. I went to the theater and I had like my Indiana Jones fedora on and everything, so I was pumped. But by the halfway point, I was like, I have a feeling I might not like this as much as King of the Crystal Skull, which a five and a half out of ten isn't that high. And by the end, I was like, yeah, I'm checked out. I'd give it a four out of ten. Um, I own I so I actually own the box set like on 4k and i'm like well i'm glad that i bought this because it's like there's only there's technically only three but the fourth one if i am ever in the mood i'll watch but i don't think i'll ever watch this up again so four out of ten sticking with that Oof. i would say like um yeah like uh I, w- I was definitely expecting a lot more from um you know when i heard that spielberg dropped out but they got mangled i was like Hell yeah. So this movie isn't going to suffer. Just hoping for for better. And it kind of sucks because unlike Star Wars, we can't get many more of these or any of these at all. My rating for this would probably be... 
it's like fluctuated for me between like a six, a seven, and an eight. Um, so yeah, uh, this movie for me, the rating has fluctuated between uh, six, seven, and eight. I think right now it's sitting at seven, but uh, I'm still kind of deciding exactly where it sits. Yeah, I'm getting it down to a seven too. Screw it. Uh, okay, uh, are you guys ready to rank? Even though I think we yeah. all kind of know what each other's ranks will be, uh, and I kind of want to start with uh, Chad's rank. I'm uh, I'm curious about that. Even though I'm, I have a pretty clear picture in my head. Yeah, you guys probably all know it. It's uh, Raiders of Lost Ark, The Last Crusade, Temple of Doom, King of Crystal Skull, and then. Thankfully, last style destiny. Wanted to love it, but nope. Yeah, go. I'm actually gonna go a bit crazy here. I'm gonna say uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull at the bottom, then number four, Temple of Doom, three, Dial of Destiny, two, two and one are like interchangeable. Last Crusade, Raiders. For me, um, I have uh, Kingdom of the, of the Crystal Skull in number five. Then number four, I have Dial of Destiny. Uh, number three, uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Number four, no, no, not number four, sorry. Number two, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And of course, number one, uh, one of my favorite movies of all time, Jones and The Last Crusade. And Ben, to cap us off. All right. Uh, for me, I have a, a similar list to gulls where i have kingdom of the crystal skull in number five i have temple of doom in number four dial of destiny in number three raiders of the lost ark in number two and the last crusade in number one awesome so um we have two dial of destinies in number three and i don't know if i can leave with well, I also agreed with you to put uh, The Last Crusade in number one. Yeah, he won you back there. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Chad, where can we find you on social media? Um, yeah, so I have my Instagram, the CS Pictures Presents. Um, I'm on Letterboxd. Um, I know, you know, I know you're on there, um, but I, yeah. I think my username's Chad. It's just Chad Saborn. You can look me up. Um, and then I also have my YouTube page. I'll add you because I don't think I have you. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I I'm always on there, Alan. Um, but yeah, my uh, my YouTube channel. I've uh, been doing it for almost a decade. Um, but yeah, I, I'm always glad to talk movies. I'm glad that you guys had me on. You know this podcast. Yeah, Chad's channel is actually going to be in the description of this video if you're watching it on YouTube. So just click there, subscribe, and. So I do a lot of a lot of ranking lists. I do like director, Academy Award based stuff, um, and then you know movie reviews and some TV show reviews too. Yeah, you do the Oscar Best Picture nominees ranking, which I love. Awesome, thank you. And thank you to Ben for joining us for the first time, um, and we're looking forward to seeing you again. It's yeah, and you can find us as it says right there at a film fanatic spot on Instagram. Uh, I was going to say Facebook. We don't have Facebook in around 80. Uh, <laughs> we do have TikTok, even though we never post on there. So I guess you can follow us there as well and get nothing uh, in return. Uh, 
but most important uh subscribe to our channel that's the big thing that we're trying to make happen this year so uh yeah and uh listen to us on apple Podcasts, google podcasts and uh spotify gal you want to shout out your uh personal film account yeah film toppings and on here film fanatic spot and thank you guys for joining us thank you so much for chad and ben for uh joining us for today and uh for all of you watching and uh we'll see you guys next time bye all right thanks for having me